Welcome to the Should Have Backed It podcast. The wet weather across the country didn't dampen what was a spectacular day of racing in both Melbourne and Sydney. Western Australian star Superstorm stole the show in the Fiend Stakes at Mooney Valley, while north of the border, the return of spring contenders Nature Strip and Zaki had punters lining their pockets. To talk us through a big day of racing is Australia's number one tipster and form analyst, Chris Venuccio. Welcome back to the podcast, Big V. Straight off the bat, mate, can anything beat Zaki this spring? Hello, Phil. Yeah, great to be back. Great day of racing again on Saturday. The weather pulled up pretty well for the valley. You know, soft seven track. So that was as good as we could have gotten. It even got an upgrade during the day. On Zaki, yeah, I thought if he was going to be vulnerable, it would have been first up over 14, but he just put that field to the sword and just never looked like was always going to win once James McDonald just let him down. And, yeah, I just find, I just think he's going to be very hard to beat. And I think he's he's probably got one hoof on the Cox plate. Yeah, well, it's a good point about the weather too, Big V. You, you were pretty concerned in the lead-up. Are you were even talking about them postponing the, the meeting, mate? Just thought it was going to be a deluge. But, yeah, Zaki, I think we, we've talked on this podcast before about very elegant being the best horse in Australia, but it, she could have a, a bit of a stiff competition there now, I think. That was a, a very commanding performance over the over the 1,400. I, I was on, but uh, by a little bit of my own mistake, mate, I was just uh, I just saw the odds and thought, gee, that's not bad for Zaki, but actually overlooked the fact it was 1,400. So I'm, uh, I was pretty happy when it, it got out the front and looked the winner very far out because I made a bit of a punting blue there, but, you know, we'll learn. He's just got a great turn of foot, and once he lets down... He just puts a big space on the on the on his opposition, and, and he's and he's just winning by significant margins. And uh, in the Q twenty two back in June, you know, he's stepping up to twenty two hundred. You know, we don't know what his distance range might be, but that was the, an end of prep sort of run, and he still won by nearly two lengths. So, if he's getting ready to peak on Cox Plate Day, it could be a case of maybe a Raider might have to be the one that beats him because I can't see any of the locals being good enough to beat him I think even in a you know wet track he should be suited he won the Hollandale on a soft six by two and a half lengths so you know maybe that might be the only thing that stops him if we get a really heavy track you know heavy nine heavy ten and that brings very elegant into play but you know this this Horsaki might might still be able to handle it so yeah I think it's going to come up to an international where if they're good enough to beat him. Well, he'll certainly start favourite on Cox Plate, or certainly his favourite now, but uh, the first Tuesday in November, any chance there, Big V, or there's still a bit of an unknown? Well, I think an unknown. I haven't looked too far ahead for Zaki. I just think get through the Cox Plate first, and, you know, they might not even think of going to a Melbourne Cup. They might go to a, a McKinnon on Stakes Day. So we'll, we'll wait and see, or... I don't know, even, you know, I don't know I don't know if Hong Kong's an option in this climate of COVID, whether that's a possibility. So we'll just wait and see. I just think the Cox Plate just is the priority and, and I'm sure the stable will wait and see. Well, I was hoping for a bold prediction there, Big V. I thought you'd go straight up. Yep, can't lose. We'll, we'll race in everything and win everything. But, yeah, look, still a long way to go and a lot can happen between now and even a Cox Plate. So... Uh, but definitely put its rivals on notice yesterday. 
Another horse that did that uh, in the Concord up there in Sydney was Nature Strip, who returned, um, uh, you know, obviously at a very short price to to win the Concord there and did it pretty easily against arguably a pretty weak field, I guess, comparatively to what it's uh, gone up against first up in the past, but did it commandingly. Yeah, there's no slouches in, in the field. Wild Ruler and Trekking running second and third, but... You know, Nature Strip just had to race under control. And when Wild Ruler and I think Adelong were making it a bit of a challenge, you know, Nature Strip just put up the tempo and often and he's off and away. So, yeah, he's... Last week I was talking up Mars Crusader. I just think based on that run by Nature Strip, that was pretty much a barrier trial for him because he's looking really good as well. And he's the benchmark sprinter in the country. Mars Crusader is the up-and-comer. You know, they're two legitimate contenders for the Everest. And, you know, last week I had Mars Crusader as my Everest horse, but I think Nature Strip does change that. So it's between one of the two. We'll see how they go second up. And it might come down to when the final fields come out for the Everest, it might come down to barriers. If Mars Crusader's drawn, you know, 10, 11, 12, and Nature Strip's in, you know, perfectly in 4, 5, 6, it could be advantage Nature Strip. Well, it could come down to the barriers quite literally, Big V. It might come to how they jump out of those barriers because um, obviously Nature Strip likes to read and lead and control the race and Mask Crusaders had a bit of a bad habit of not jumping out as well as it could. Um, that was actually my backed it horse for this week as well, Nature Strip. Not necessarily shattered that I missed a fifty, but I think it's a horse we can start to trust first up now. It's had a couple of instances where it, it has gone okay. So uh, in the past, that was the kind of race it would have lost. So definitely um, something going right in the Nature Strip camp. I just wanted to just, point, uh, just make a point on what you've said about his first up runs because I think there's um, a lot of people were talking about Nature Strip last spring, how he was disappointing first up when he was beaten by Geetra. And I think that's a little bit inaccurate because Geetra just pulled out an outstanding performance that day and even Nature Strip, a lot of ratings experts had that performance as his best, as a first up PB for Nature Strip. So I don't think he was disappointing first up last spring. I just think Geetra just came out and pulled out a phenomenal performance. And then after that, I think things didn't go Nature Strip's way. I think it had that trial where he threw James McDonald off and he was just playing catch up to the Everest. So... I, I think Nature Strip, he does get rolled a lot when he's odds on, but I think it's more due to, yeah, you know, circumstances and him not being, you know, fully wound up first up. You know, he's got a long campaign. So I think there's a bit of harsh commentary about his first up form. Yeah, I guess it's because it's the, of the fact that he's starting odds on, and I guess the horse doesn't know that. And the connections, you're right, probably don't care as well, given they've set it for bigger and better tasks later on in its prep. So... Yeah, but I guess it's just at the price. It's it's obviously been in the market, trialled really well leading up into these couple of these first up, and yeah, hasn't really overly disappointed, but hasn't lived up to a dollar thirty, dollar forty chance in a lot of those. But take your point, Big V. Um, that's why we have you on the show, mate. Hard hard hitting analysis, of course. But a, a little bit of hard hitting analysis, I reckon you'd have again is your sacked horse for this week, Big V, um, which was Cascadian in the Chelmsford. What did you make of each run? Uh, started favourite, but never quite got going, I didn't think. No, it might have been out of his comfort zone because you had Rhea Dingley setting a really solid tempo. 
and I had the race. I thought only two horses could win that race. And I was Cascadian and Think It Over, both coming out of the wink stakes and both being unlucky. I sided with Cascadian and I'm, you know, I'm regretting that decision because he doesn't have a good second up record. He's not a consistent horse. I know he, he won a Doncaster, but he's he's not. He doesn't consistently win. And even in the autumn, he was beaten by Think It Over in the George Ryder. So, yeah, probably in hindsight, it might have been a race I probably should have stayed out of because I don't follow the Sydney form as closely as I as I used to because I just want to focus on the Melbourne form. So it was one that I I got a tip for. I jumped on, and he never looked like he was going to win. He was always under a bit of riding a long way from home. Yeah, look, and I was on him in the in the Doncaster, and I think that day I got sort of twelve, thirteen dollars. But you're right, when you're getting two or three dollars, it's probably not a, a great bet uh, given its record. So definitely put on notice, but uh, not one that I think will sack fully there, Big V. But a horse that it was you... frustrating that I went and I had a look at the stewards' report, and there was nothing about the run of Cascadian, and it did. It, it's annoying when a favourite gets beat, and there's nothing about it in the stewards' report. There might not be anything wrong, but. I think you just ask the jockey and just say, you know, was there anything, did he give you a different feel or was it, do you think there was something wrong or, you know, or even, you know, have the vet look over it because, you know, when favourites get beat, I think there should be at least an attempt to see if there's some explanation for it. Well, mate, the stewards would never spit, stop writing reports if they did that every time the horse got beat. It finished fourth, beaten three lengths. It was hardly disgraced. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think it had enough of an excuse. It wasn't a thirty pop, but I uh, can understand your frustration as a punter, nevertheless, there, Big V. But speaking of frustration, uh, we'll, we'll move to Melbourne now and the, and the fee and stakes there, where, which was won just on the line by Superstorm, and that sure should have backed it horse for this week. Yeah, even though I tipped it on top, I had it as a low-confidence race and I stayed out. And I mean, In the end, I think only I've got here, the first eight was separated by 1.6 lengths. So I sort of was on that thinking, that's how it all panned out. And, you know, they just all went off the rail. And when, when you don't have your money on them, that just seems, just seems like the gaps just open up. And, you know, they all went off the rail. Damien Oliver was able to, you know, get that gap. Maybe elephants. I think they were trying to avoid the rail late in the day, but there's a few winners that did that did win there, like Superstorm and DeGrave, so it might not have been too bad. But I think if Luke Curry had stayed hard on the rail on elephants, and that would have maybe blocked in Superstorm and you know, maybe elephant wins, but then maybe Sierra Sue's the one that gets up instead, because I think he was blocked for a couple of runs, and he looked like the unlucky horse. You took the words out of my mouth, Big V. Um, Sierra Sue still looking for a run, only beaten 1.5 lengths. So I think that's definitely, and I've already got it in my horses to follow moving forward because that's a sneakily good effort for seventh. Um, if you're on, on replay, it doesn't look any better either. Really couldn't get out. So, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's just about when they get the run, particularly at Mooney Valley, I think. Um, and, you know, tracks like that, the, the, the gaps can open. We saw it earlier in the day with... The Graves as well, ducking back into the inside and finding a run as well. So, all right, that's your backed it horse for the week, Big V. You got to you got to show a bit more confidence in yourself, mate. You had it well, on top. I well, I didn't. I didn't have a lot of confidence in that race, and also with Superstorm's racing style. Even though I drew Barrier Five, and there was the prospect of going a bit closer, 
I think first up in the PB Lawrence, he didn't jump out very well. He was slow out of the gates. And I thought if that happens again, you don't want to be too far back at the valley. And even in the run, he looked like he was in a bit of an ugly spot, you know, sixth on the rail. But they, but as it turned out, they all went wide and that just opened up a few gaps on the rail and, and he's able to pinch a win. So sometimes you just read a race, you think, oh, this is, it's going to, this is a big risk. I'll stay out, and even you know the betting. He was a bit of a he was a, a little drifter as well. So yeah, there wasn't that much market confidence compared to Elephants and even the Chosen One, which also ran well. So yeah, I think yeah, sometimes you you read a race and it um, sort of half goes to plan, and the other half you know goes against you. Well, I can tell you a race that didn't go to plan for me, Big V, and that was the Chautauqua Stakes, which was race seven there at Mooney Valley yesterday, um, with Ancestry, who's my sacked horse for this week. This is a horse that started favourite in an Oakley Plate, Big V. Now it's um, first beaten running around Mooney Valley. So very disappointing. Didn't get to the lead, and once that happened, uh, you basically had done your money if you're on Ancestry. And, yeah, it was, as I said, first beaten as they rounded the turn. You, do you know what's going on with that horse? Anything in the Stewart report I should be checking out, mate? No, I haven't looked there. Maybe that's one for you to <laughs> check out. But, yeah, I wasn't sure what to, what to do with Ancestry. I thought he was disappointing first up, but then because of his record, you give it a, you know, another chance. But, no, I think he's one to avoid now. I was on him at Mornington when he was a – I think he was a – Dollar eighty favourite that day, and he, and he and he got rolled, and since then the wheels have fallen off. So, yeah, I, I just uh, no, I think he, he's one to avoid now. The other horse that's been disappointing as well is Deep Speed. I think uh, Deep Speed looked like he was she was going to be in for a good prep, but you know, she paid twenty six dollars, so the market wasn't with her. But yeah, to run second last, I, I was expecting better from her as well. Yeah, an express pass, nice winner that race. Did it quite comfortably in the end. A horse I have been on in the past, so to see it get up at $16, $17 was a little bit disappointing. But I think probably for me, and it might be the case for you as well, Big V, that the race of the day at Mooney Valley was a McEwen, which saw Inferno give uh, Portland Sky Windburn and, and take out it quite comfortably, the Singapore Raider there. Uh, we also saw the return of September Run, who finished off well, mate. What did you make of that race? And would any of those horses you're following moving forward? Yeah, I think um, September Run is one to follow. And even the Inferno, not sure if it goes into an Everest, whether it can win. But I think uh, September Run is the is the one to take out of that race. Portland Sky, wasn't. I was on Portland Sky. I'm a little bit disappointed it didn't win. I just thought, yeah, maybe Luke Curry could have taken off a little bit earlier while you had the Inferno and September Run building their momentum. Uh, I would have liked Portland Sky to have, you know, maybe taken off just before the turn. Um, I think the difference between the Inferno and September Run winning was just their position in, in the run. Um, the Inferno was within striking distance of Portland Sky, where the September Run, you know, first up from, you know, a whitish barrier was maybe a pair or two further back, but ran home strongly. And so, yeah, that's the, they're the two horses I've take out of Portland Sky yeah maybe I don't think it was helped by the wind coming into the into the home straight I think you needed to have a, a little bit of cover coming into the home straight but no, I think the Inferno all honours to him 
Look, I think you're being a bit harsh on Portland Sky. I think position and running, as you said, was key to this race. And Portland Sky just sitting outside the leader there, facing the breeze. I think it actually stuck on really well. Um, you often look at the flashy finisher like September run and think, gee, next time. But I think was su- uh, suited by the race pattern, as was the Inferno. And look, all three of those horses, I think, had some real merit coming out of that race. And I'm just glad we saw the real Inf- Inferno. It had an unbelievable record in Singapore, but uh, its first Australian performance wasn't much to write home about. But, gee, it's a good horse, and certainly the Singapore form held up very well. Yeah, I'm not going to drop off Portland Sky. I mean, I don't, don't, I don't think I was too harsh on him, but watching the race, I just thought Portland Sky was, was cruising and, you know... There's been a few times where I'm watching a race and I'm counting my money 300 from home. So <laughs> I was just to see the Inferno just charge home. I was a, I was a bit surprised because I thought, yeah, Portland Sky was doing it pretty easily up on the speed, and I thought maybe if you take off a little bit earlier, you might open up a bit of a gap between you and the rest and your main dangers. And yeah, I just thought, um, yeah, maybe Luke Curry maybe just waited a little bit too long because I don't think he really shook the horse up until they hit. Until they hit the straight. What did you make of the track there yesterday, Big V? We, we mentioned off the top a lot of rain on the Friday, came up a soft seven. I thought it played pretty evenly from a track perspective. I think the wind obviously was a big factor uh, for some of those leaders, but you must say there was a lot of talk that you know horses would be coming off the rail and that it would be a bit a bit biased. But I, I thought it played really fairly. No, I think it played fair as well, and yeah, they were coming off the rail, but was the rail that bad maybe could have been a little bit maybe a little bit off but wasn't enough to really go to really steer clear of because we saw Superstorm and the Graves come back to the rail and win so maybe you know they were just better horses on the day or better horses in that race so yeah I think it played pretty good and and, yeah, to start off on the soft seven, I thought the rain we were getting on Friday night, we could easily be in the heavy eight, heavy nine range. And if you were getting more rain on the day, you know, whether, you know, I was thinking, yeah, you probably could call the meeting off and run on Sunday, but thankfully the rain didn't come until late at night. So I think the, the track was fantastic. Now, Big VE, um, you've asked me to speak about race six at Mooney Valley yesterday, which was the Atlantic Jewel. So I can only assume that's because you put the house on Zuzarella. Oh, no, I wish. Um, I was, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't have a bet in the race because I think it was a – you got a lot of – there was a lot of last start winners into this field. Then you had the uh, Gentia who has a bit of a spruik about her. I think she's a forgive run. She was held up and also pulled up lame. So I think you want to see her again before really getting involved for some for a race like the Thousand Guineas. It's only its second start, wasn't it? Pardon, sorry? It was only its second start anyway, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, only yeah. its second start. But I think when horses pull up lame, you just want to see if they've, they've come back well their next start and just see them perform first before you get involved. So she's still the one to keep in mind for the 1,000 guineas, but you want to see her come out next start and, you know, not necessarily win, but go close to winning. I think Zuzarella looked like she had the run of the race. And I'm surprised that she's drifted out to $13. I don't think she was – she should have been that high a price. And a couple of good runs from behind 
little literary magnet and mac and cheese. Mac and cheese looked like, you know, she was under a bit of writing a long way from home, so she's run on well. But I'm not so sure yet about the form coming out of this race because of Argentia having a few excuses there. So she's the one that I want to just keep an eye on next start. Yeah, Zuzarella, mate. I, uh, I I didn't get involved in the race from a punting perspective, but I, like you, I was a bit surprised to see that price because it had won well previously. Um, I'd been watching and, yeah, to, to see it dominate and then pay sort of, you know, double-figure odds was a bit of a surprise. And, uh, yeah, mac and cheese, mate, that would have caught your eye for a number of reasons. That was a nice run. Um, and, yeah, uh, surprised you brought that race up, Big V. Is it just so you could talk about uh, mac and cheese or...? Well, it's a key lead-up race for the Thousand Guineas prelude and the Thousand Guineas. So it's not just any race. It was a tough betting race and not one I was keen to get involved in. But I think it's worth pointing out that the yeah, Argentio did disappoint as a favourite, but excuses there. And, you know, I think she's, she's not one to sack yet. Actually, it's a nice segue, Big V, into our horses to follow, and I think you probably have Argentia there, given you've just given it the forgive run. Are there any other runs throughout the day that you uh, thought, you know, moving into the main sort of spring carnival now that we should be following? I know you've mentioned September run as well. Yeah, another couple of other horses. I think Harder Poissons ran well first up. I don't think she needs to have, or he needs to have a heavy track to run well. We saw it was a drying, soft track. Yeah, twenty forty wasn't ideal, but you know, stepping up in distance to twenty five hundred meters, he looks like he could be in for a good prep as well. Uh, the chosen one out of the Fian Stakes, good run, one to keep an eye out for maybe a race like the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup as well. What did it finish in the, that race, Big V? I didn't, I didn't yeah. even see it. Ran ran well for third. Okay. And I think even also out of the fee and elephant, we'll see where elephant goes. It depends on whether they really step it up again and go. If they go to a race like a Turnbull Stakes, that's going to be tough for elephant. I like to see elephant go into a race where it can, you know, probably similar race because he was stepping up from a benchmark 84 to a wait for age group two. But I think there was a lot of improvement to come from him. So I want to see him go to a winnable race rather than take the next step and race against, you know, Group 1 quality. Jeez, mate, they've, they've missed out by a, a nose winning a Group 2. I, I'd be going for it if I was them. They've got a good horse on their hands, uh, the Elephant Crew. But well, The difference is there is that if it had a one, then it gets a guaranteed spot in the Cox Plate. So yep. where would you go from there? Because you, you still got... I don't know, seven, eight weeks or so to the Cox Plate. So you want to keep the horse ticking over. So you would go to a Group 1 Turnbull because you've already got your Group 2 win and you've already got a spot in the Cox Plate. But you, you didn't get that Cox Plate spot. So, you know, where to now? Do you still want to go to a Cox Plate? Or do you want to, you know, go to another group race that you can win? That's fair enough, Big V. So I've just got there, Heart of Prasant, September run, the chosen one. And you've uh, Argentia, you've you've given the forgive to. Um, for me, Sierra Sue, we've discussed that already. I think still looking for that run. I thought Montefilia's run um, in behind Think It Over in the Chelmsford, um, running into third was really impressive. Obviously, ran on well, but we'll be looking for further in its prep. That was definitely a, a nice first up effort. 
And I, I might have potted the horses in behind Nature Strip, but of course Trekking is a, a high-quality horse, and I thought it's third in the Concord. It was a nice return as well, and, and certainly a horse I'll be keeping an eye on, and probably some of those second-tier sprint races that happen um, throughout the spring. But uh, that's, that's our horses to follow, Big V. And look, we're, we're sort of we're getting towards the end of the podcast, and there's a bit of an elephant in the room, speaking of elephants, and... That's the uh, performance of your mob, the Brisbane Lions last night, mate. What happened? Do you want to talk about it? It's still too raw. One point to the doggies. It was a, you know, nail biter as you predicted yeah, it was last week. Frustrating to watch, and you know, when we were eighteen points up with about four minutes to go in the third quarter, I thought, oh yeah, well, um, this is looking good. And I think I, I had a bet for the punters club for the Lions to win between 1 and 39. So when we hit 18 in front, I thought, oh, we don't want to get too far in front. <laughs> within, that, <laughs> within that range. So, yeah, there's a few um, disappointing free kicks given away. You know, one in the last quarter when Lockie Neal got a free kick himself and he was about to kick the ball into the forward 50. And I think it was McCarthy, you know, give away an undisciplined free kick and he turned the ball over. That was with about, you know, four minutes to play. So you get the ball deep in your forward half. You know, you might get a goal, pinch a score, and you're in front and the ball's in your in your half of the ground. And uh, that ruck infringement in the last minute of the game, uh, it might have been there, but uh, I think it was... Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it was disappointing for that free kick to be paid. Yeah, look, it's going to be a long summer for the Brisbane Line um, support staff and players, I think, because, yeah, that's a tough one to to, to handle. But, yeah, look, that, that Lockie Neal one was a big one, I thought, because it's, it's basically a 100-metre penalty. You know, you're going to go 50 metres one way, you end up going 50 metres the other, and it's huge. But I thought you can look back at those sort of, I guess, um, all those big moments, I suppose. But I think Brisbane Lions dominated the third quarter. They should have been four goals up at three-quarter time and it's game over, but just didn't manage to get those couple extra goals just to give them that buffer and left the door window well and truly open for the dogs and they took it some of the more intense footy I've seen actually for a long time in that in that last quarter, especially from the dogs. Yeah, their pressure was extraordinary in that last quarter, particularly away from the, the stoppages. So there's a lot of holding the ball decisions against the lines because they're you know, fumbling and they're not getting clean disposal out and they're just getting tackled straight away. So they're able to get windows free kicks, you know, on that next play outside the stoppage. And also the thing that's disappointing with the Lions is that I don't think they win enough centre clearances and enough clearances, So and that hurts them. So, they, you know, they get a goal, they fight back. This It also happened against Melbourne. Now, they get a couple of goals back, and then out of the centre, now the Bulldogs go forward. So, yeah, a few things to work on. You know, we've had a few injuries to key players in some, close to September, so we'll get Eric Kipwood back. Joe Danaher was went missing. He did two good things during the match, but didn't see enough of him. No, well, that's right, Big V, and uh, yeah, thanks for you know opening up and talking about it, mate. I know it's still pretty raw for you, but uh, now that now that your team's out, who's going to win it? I think Melbourne. I think they're looking good. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair at this point, uh, unless something dramatic happens. They're looking very fit, don't have many injuries, uh, in a very nice position. Um, speaking of nice positions, Big V, the uh, the shooter back the Twitter handle. Um, 
you know, we're, make sure you check it out, listeners. Um, we'll be putting up a bunch of posts, including this podcast. There's been a lot of feedback about your rant last week, Big V, actually, the, the one that you were talking about, the jockeys that, you know, had got themselves in a little bit of trouble and that Australia had become a, a land of dobbers, and that, that did receive a bit of feedback. So any comments on that, mate? Softened your view, or are you still pretty strong on that one? No, I haven't. No, I haven't softened my view. I just, I think um, that, you know, I think it's a bit harsh when you want to, when you're going to punish people because they didn't want to dob in their mates and, you know, protect your mates. I think that's um, what we what we grew up doing. You know, you, you stand by your, your mates and, you know, that's it. I, I think the extra penalty would be harsh to give, to give it, but... You know, in saying that, I, I think it's disappointing that a few of the jockeys have decided to appeal the penalties. I mean, you know, you broke the COVID rules, you put the sport at risk. You know, three months is, is harsh, but I think you've got to wear it. And it's disappointing that a couple of them have chosen to to appeal. So we'll, we'll give credit to Jamie Carr and um, the other apprentice. Sorry, the name escapes me at the moment. Um Laundry. Yep. Uh, I think uh, Jamie Carr's copped a lot of the the media. She's copped. A, she's copped a lot of the the media coverage, and I think she deserves some credit just for taking her penalty on the chin and just you know she'll come back hopefully in three months' time. Yeah, I think that's fair, Big V. I can't see them turning around, uh, upholding any of those sort of um, appeals that are happening because yeah, obviously pretty significant breach in the context of what the racing industry is being able to do. Um, just before we wrap up, Big V, I hear just before this podcast, I saw you were pulling together Super Coach Racing for this year, mate. That's one of your little loves. And any uh, any news on that, mate? Anything you can give us in advance ahead of the uh, upcoming season? No, not much details I can give yet, but there will be another Super Coach Racing season. But I should be able to give more information next week. All right, mate, I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to that because I'm looking forward to this year. Um, you, you told me there's some good prizes, so I want to get involved in that for sure. But uh, anyway, thanks, Big V. Thanks for helping me review yesterday's big two meetings and uh, keep safe and keep well. And uh, to everyone else, thanks for listening and uh, good luck on the punt.